Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Today, we're going to talk about whether journalists should be influencers, and if so, to what extent should newsrooms encourage this? Media research is increasingly pointed to the fact that younger audiences value reporters who are more authentic on social media. In other words, they're able to express themselves and be more than just a talking head on a screen reporting the facts. More and more journalists are cropping up on TikTok, developing their own followings, and they often say it helps their journalism through story leads and building trust with audiences, something the news industry is in dire need of. But they also report on doing this in their spare time. But if it helps their reporting, should they not be compensated for it? As journalists get more independence, what ethical questions does this present? Are social media guidelines a help or a hindrance? So many questions in front of us, and here to answer them is Sara Rosa Lenonen, a producer at the Finnish public broadcaster YLE, and the author of a recent report titled Can Journalists Be Influencers? published by the London School of Economics and Political Science. We're going to chat loads more on all of these burning questions, so don't go anywhere. Salah Rosa, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And really well done with the pronunciation. <laughs> I try to do my best. Yeah, you do um, well. Would you tell our audience a little known fact about yourself? Okay. Oh, wow. Um, I think most of the people wouldn't know that I know quite a lot about um, forest machinery. Forest machinery. <laughs> tell me more. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I used to work for a forest company, uh, uh, and I'm sorry already, my um, knowledge about this topic is mainly in Finnish because I was working in this like exhibition about, uh, they were showing different kind of forest machinery and I was supposed to sell them. So this was really interesting as a communication student um, <laughs> to do this kind of a summer job. <laughs> Has it ever been useful in your line of work? as a journalist that knowledge yeah so it's been useful of course like in my private life when I was doing um some <laughs> some wood work at our summer place it was very useful for not to know about these things but then again like in my work of course like when we're doing a piece about climate change or for example like if we are doing um if we are writing about carbon storages like in Finland for example then of course to know how these forests are kind of kept and maintained it's very useful information of course. Mm. So forest machinery what's maybe one thing people don't know uh, about it that you do? Well uh, they can fit into like very tiny places even though they are very huge. (laughs) Really so they like downsize and they're very compact that's I didn't know that at all yeah so they can stretch out but they can fit in like kind of like really in in small spots the latest Reuters digital news report 2022 revealed a fascinating generational shift in how audiences perceive the role of the journalist today it showed that the younger the news consumer the more they tend to think journalists should be free to express themselves online the reverse is also true that the older the news consumer the more they think journalists should just stick to their job and report the facts online. Driving this trend is no doubt what audiences are increasingly exposed to online. 
influences on their screens, engaging in informal dialogue and influencing their habits, opinions and worldviews. Salah Rosa makes an interesting case here for journalists to consider becoming influencers. It's not that fundamentally different to what journalists have always done, which is to be beholden to the platforms they operate on. Some of the most successful TikTok journalists we see today, Max Foster from CNN, Sophia Smith-Gaylor at Vice News, are simply playing by the rules of the platform. Many people think that, okay, being an influencer is very easy. Well, if you read my <laughs> my paper, for example, and you think of what are they expecting from influencers, you can clearly see that it's not easy. <laughs> it's very hard and it needs a lot of time and effort to actually be, be a successful influencer. So I guess that I think that uh, it's something similar, it, like everything in a way, like if you're a TV host, how you perform, how you speak, who you speak to, all of these things are decided beforehand and you have been trained to perform like that. So I just like kind of think that TikTok journalist has to be trained to perform like that, what works on TikTok. So I don't think that it's such a different thing because it's like a professional aspect that you just have to learn in a way. Do you get my point or? I do. And I, and I want to try and summarize that. They're similar in the sense that they've still got to perform to the best practices of the platform that they're working on, whether that's a, you know, a broadcasting company, whether it's a TikTok account, they still have to conduct themselves effectively for the platform they're working on definitely and then they also have to follow the rules and the ethical guidelines and the editorial guidelines of your company like what you have to follow so you have to just adapt those there as well so that is i think like a compact <laughs> professionalism in in social media at this point let me wrestle with that for a second influencers by its very definition means to influence you know, other people, whether that's their purchases, their lifestyle habits, their hobbies, whatever, whatever else. Is it really the role of a journalist to influence the behaviour of other people? I think my first question here would be that hasn't journalists always like kind of influenced? Like, I think journalists have always had an effect on how people think about things and what they do and what they decide to do, where they decide to travel like all of the different aspects of life are usually covered through journalism. You said that journalists have always sought to influence the actions of, of, of others. Traditionally, we would associate the role of the journalist to be, you know, a watchdog, fourth estate, holding power to account, this kind of, these typical things we see in literature all the time. Do you really not feel it's that much of a departure to be a TikTok journalist as comparing it to, you know, what I've just described there? Well, for example, we are doing a TikTok account at the moment uh, where we have two journalists uh, who are basically staying uh, at the Parliament House, reporting all of the things happening in the Parliament House. Um, what is interesting about the Parliament members, the ministers, the Prime Minister. So I think we are doing a very <laughs> good job uh, at the holding power to account side especially at the at the moment but of course this is like not that everyone would be doing this this kind of a journalism but but yeah we kind of try to do do it at least <laughs> do all the successful journal influencers have this balance of 
serious journalism and reporting plus typical stuff you'd see on the platform whether that's trend videos etc is there tend to be a mix of the two if you search internationally they would be mainly doing like some something uh connected to comedy or humor and news so that would be i think the main mix of things especially on tiktok or maybe on instagram as well so it's not definitely so common that you would do like kind of very serious news on tiktok but then again like the whole scene is very different for example if you compare to finland or the uk like the landscapes are very different i guess the question really is should newsrooms embrace journo influencer culture and if they should when does it make sense to i of course don't think that all of the journalism should be done like influencer style i think it's something that at least all of the newsrooms should explore like would this work for us what kind of benefits we could have from this kind of reporting uh, do we have any interesting personality in our um, newsroom who could try and do it but if you want to explore it you have to have a person who actually wants it you cannot force anyone to do it because you can clearly see it like if someone is forced to do it you can see it like it's not like it doesn't really seem very authentic or credible if someone's like forcefully doing a tiktok video <laughs> that makes a lot of sense and the because it's a demanding practice isn't it um the the demands of the content creator are very you know intense um sophia smith gaylor has always maintained that one of the advantages of being on tiktok is it's contributed to story leads and sources you know what really are the benefits of being active on tiktok platforms like these having these deep engagement uh strategies and having these deeply engaged audiences well i think my <laughs> my answer would be credibility because of course if you somehow present yourself as um transparent and credible and somehow like approachable person i think you would always like get sources more easily people would actually approach you if you have a very sensitive story for example and they know that you have done something really well you know some other story or even though they they can like somehow like learn from your cues like how you present yourself like what kind of a personality you are you can more easily approach you because of of okay she seems nice or he seems nice or they seem nice and maybe i could trust them to come with my story to them did you find any specific examples and evidence of that working well i can see evidences of that in my work of course for we do this kind of journalism every day on social platforms like instagram youtube and tiktok and for example one journalist that i produce is very famous for getting people to trust him so people come to him uh with really incredible stories because they know that they will be handled really nicely what's his name yako keso yako keso yes what does yako do well to win the trust of these people online what what does he do effectively Yako is really interested in this underground phenomenon and usually because of he has been dealing with these topics so well many 
who have a more sensitive or more like an underground topic, or it can be an illegal topic, for example, they are trusting him because of how he deals with the people and the subjects as well in, in those situations and of course in the pub- published content. But then what makes Jaco special as well is that he produces quite a lot of content about his life, like what kind of hobbies does he have, what kind of interests does he have. Um, also, he's um, writing quite a lot about his personality in, in on Instagram. Uh, for example, and he's kind of all the time uh, communicating with the audience so that like people feel that he's very approachable as well, but also kind of like getting sneak peeks of of his life as well. So I think that makes the kind of whole concept of him more full than than just a TV documentarist. Do you think that makes a big difference? Just showing that there is a a human within the journalist, if that makes sense, that, you know, it's not just a transaction as it were well of course i think it makes a huge difference (laughs) well i mean okay let me put it a different way do you see that it makes a big difference is it proven to actually work to show that there is this more natural human side here does it concretely result in different stories stories you wouldn't have uncovered you know otherwise does it really make a difference to your team of course it makes connections more clear for example um if you're doing a video of like underground parties in Helsinki which we did for example if you say you're in the scene as well it's like like if you know the parties and you know the organizations who are doing them or people who are doing the parties for example the credibility in that topic is much more there of course Now, it should be noted that Finland has substantially higher trust towards the media than the UK. In the latest Reuters Digital News Report 2022, Finland topped the charts with 69% of news consumers trusting the media, compared with the UK's 34%. Polarisation in the news cycle has actually strengthened trust towards Finnish media, with people finding value in the expertise the media offers. But here's another interesting reason why journalists should consider becoming influencers. A study by Takami in 2020 titled Into the Mainstream showed how apathetic influencers are about misinformation. Just 8% of UK influencers place countering misinformation as a top three priority. The point here is that misinformation is out there and you cannot rely on the most popular and influential content creators to do anything about it. So there is a case for journalists to serve both of these needs as um, popular as influencers are um, (laughs) yeah most of them are really commercial Um, they are like all of their work is binded with the commercial um, resources behind it so for example like um, if you think of an influencer basically their income is coming from different employers or brands or whatever But then when you think of a journalist, um, mostly their income is coming from one one company. Yeah, their salaries. Yeah, the salaries are coming from like one one company. But then I think like the big problem in in journalism is that quite rare um, media companies are actually paying like full salaries for social media work. 
So that is a huge problem, for example, that many, many journalists are doing social media as a side job. So <laughs> that usually doesn't result in very good social media content. Or then again, like it's just like journalists are doing social media work for their own brand, not for journalism, if you know what I mean, in a way. That is a really fascinating point. And I just want to build on it slightly, which is that you know, we said previously it can be very demanding to do TikTok. You know, it's also implied that most people do this outside of their work hours in their free time as well. And it's not really part of their job description. They just do it because it benefits them. If this is really proving to be, you know, an area that needs addressing, should it become part of their job description? Should it be part of their something they're compensated for doing? Like, I don't know where does it come from, this weird weird idea that social media work isn't work Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know if you have kind of heard about this kind of a vibe but um i think there is a huge lack in newsrooms of uh, knowledge of how to resource social media work and what kind of resources does it actually need why wouldn't you embrace that why wouldn't you kind of find ways to for example do like a split if they would be doing documentaries why wouldn't they be doing some kind of like short versions of the information that you found or in the documentary and and like kind of publish it on tiktok then somehow connect it to the original documentaries what you have on your own platforms or whatever so it doesn't always mean that you have to push all of the work on social media like 100% so it definitely doesn't mean that you can find like nice combinations of things so for example how could social media benefit the goals that we have in our newsroom at this point for example we live in a world of a lot of social media guidelines at the moment and I just wonder what happens when newsrooms really start expecting reporters to develop their own social followings particularly when it comes to the editorial oversight and what's their own judgment? What do they put on their own platforms? Do you have any thoughts on that? Of course, there are different levels of, of uh, seriousness, if you think it like that, in which kind of positions you can uh, express and what can you express. But for example, during my uh, interviews, when I, when I was interviewing people for this paper, um, uh, I found out that, for example, in the UK, you can express your... Um, for example, political opinions much more openly than we can here in Finland as as uh, as media professionals or journalists. Unless you work for the BBC, of course. Yes, yes, and that's that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's of course an exception, and of course we are like the BBC in Finland, but still, it's a bit different for us. Like we are, of course, expected not to disclose disclose our political opinions publicly but we still all have the right to to for example attend uh, a political party event on our free time for example of course there are like very like pure political reporters who wouldn't ever 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 do that but then again like for example Wiley's a huge company we are we are having we have like I don't know 3,000 employees so, of course, it's clear that we cannot deny people of, of their opinions, like political opinions. So I think it's a bit bit different. But now I'm really off track of, of the <laughs> original question. 
Well, that's interesting because Wiley is also your national public broadcaster, you know, a little bit like yeah. the BBC. Yet the BBC takes a very tough stance to the point where they don't even like you posting certain emojis. So, yeah, is it quite that firm for the company you work for? Or, or you know, what, what really are the lines in the sand? No, it's not that firm. Um, definitely, for example, most of the things that we do at Ulekioski, where I'm a producer, um, I think we couldn't do under the BBC social media guidelines. So I think we would not be able to do them. <laughs> you just said you couldn't you couldn't work under the BBC social media guidelines. Yeah, I think we couldn't work with, with our um, our our projects, what we do on TikTok, Instagram, and on YouTube. I think it would be too strict for us. Wow, why? Well, um, we have a lot of journalists who kind of are full-time employees for us, uh, but they have their own social media networks. Then they have um, like social media networks that are for the journalistic content that they do for us. So of course, like from the audience point of view, especially these two, like these things are mixed. So some of the accounts are ours, like they are owned by Wiley. And some of the accounts are their own and they kind of use them both in the work. So, for example, uh, journalists would have a YouTube channel, which is owned by Wiley. Then they would have an Instagram channel, which would be their own. And then they, of course, the audience doesn't, of course, they see the logos and everything. They don't know if it's like Wiley's or not. Usually they like sometimes they can. Most of the time they wouldn't see the logo or they wouldn't think about it if it's the same person. For example, the reporter does something on Instagram. Um, it can be related to their work. Um, they can do like, for example, a Q&A about a certain topic, uh, which is related to their next video or they are doing some kind of polls or whatever they're like concerning the next video, they are asking some kind of opinions about um, uh, or whatever. Of course, there's the, there are these basic, basic things, for example, don't say who are you voting for, for example, don't promote the po a political party. Let's sum that up quickly. Wiley sees value in reporters being able to develop their own followings to the extent that they are comfortable associating individual and company brands together. But there is the potential there for reputational damage if journalists take this too far. However, it is just too difficult to try and regulate what several thousand employees are posting on their social media accounts every day. After our chat, Sala Rosa wanted to clarify this, saying, so in all of our social media platforms that we operate on, for example, a YouTube channel, we follow our editorial and ethical guidelines, but our social media guidelines for our employees are not as strict as BBC has. We aren't monitoring them so that we would be interested in what emoji they use or who they follow on socials. But of course, if there is some bad behavior, we will take action and most employees commit to our values anyways when they work full time for us. So with all of that said, what does it actually look like on a leadership level to encourage your reporters to become influencers? Well, first of all, you have to value social media work. You have to give it resources. You have to pay people to do it. <laughs> it's not like a side hustle that people would do on their free time or like some extra hours, like a couple of extra hours. If you want to be successful 
on social media platforms, especially when you are doing like a influencer style journalism um, channel, for example, you have to be really devoted. You have to know what you're doing. You have to explore. You have to be able to try out and fail. But of course, these people who put themselves into these kind of situations, like it's their face, which is all over social media. And that can be really, really hard at some point, like uh, thinking about like hate speech or if there's a, a topic that is like really polarizing, like abortion, for example, uh, climate change. These topics are really, really um, heavy on on hate speech, especially towards the reporter as well. So I think they need like special kind of support as well um, to be able to be so present on social media platforms and put their, themselves out there so much. Are there, are there any other risks that newsrooms should be aware of? For example, moderation is one, one big risk. Yeah, if you're publishing and then like no one is moderating the uh, no one is moderating the accounts. It can be really harsh. <laughs> so and you cannot really ask the one person who is presenting the content. You cannot really ask them to be online all the time. But of course, it might be there like towards them, so they can be like the hate speech can come to their own account as well, where we don't have the admins, for example. So that is a risk a big risk as well so that we have to make sure how to be able to protect the uh, journalists as well in these situations that's a very good point because if, if it's your face on the screen going through the comments that's you know pretty nasty so a, a good thing to be aware of um thinking about wrapping up here i'd, I'd like to ask you for uh, a couple of quick fire tips uh, one on yeah, what, what is your best tip for journalists to fit in on TikTok? Okay. So don't be afraid of kind of copying what other people are, are doing because like it doesn't matter if it's a familiar format that people recognize. So just bravely explore the kind of very familiar formats that you can see all around TikTok and just do your own version and it doesn't like first, uh, it doesn't have to be anything really like spectacular. Just try it out, and then people will clearly recognize the familiar formats there. Okay, your 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 best tip to journalists to avoid sticking out like a sore thumb. What would it be? Don't be afraid that um, sticking into your like journalistic values or editorial guidelines would be a threat. I think it can be your asset as well, because that is a thing that you can stick out in a good way when you kind of can prove you can prove your point when you're following editorial guidelines for example or ethical guidelines uh that can really uh make your content like more credible and stick out in a good way so i think that could be well that would be my other tip as well Awesome. Loads more great tips on both of those points uh, in the uh, full study, and we'll leave a link to that in the article body. Um, but Salah Rosa, uh, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and sharing your insights with us. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Loads of useful insights there, but a vital takeaway for me is no doubt that influencing doesn't happen through dumb luck. People who reach the status of an influencer do so because they plan hard, they're intentional about their personality and they try to add value to the platform. Platforms like TikTok are not going away 
and neither are the needs of users who require the credible and enjoyable voice of journalists on their screens. The news industry will always be limited in supply of these voices though, if it relies on people doing it in their spare time. What are your thoughts? There's so much more to this conversation to explore and we want to know what you're doing in this space. You can DM or tweet me at jpgjournalism or the wider team at journalism.co.uk at journalism news. If you'd like to feature on the show or you've got a topic or story you want us to cover on the podcast, please do get in touch. I'm on jacob at journalism.co.uk. And finally, if you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. That way, you won't miss our next exciting episode. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.